Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I am your host. Today's episode is a sermon that was shared by Pastor Shad McDonald on March 6th of 2022. The scripture reading comes from 1 Thessalonians as well as 1 Timothy. The sermon is titled, I'm Going to Hold On to That. I want to say a big thank you to everyone that has reached out via text and email and messenger and let us know that you are listening, enjoying the episodes. Thank you so much for the encouragement. I have noticed that as I look at the analytics of the podcast of how that a lot of the episodes that I uploaded first back in December of 2021 have not gained near as many plays as some of the most more recent episodes. So if you're here, you're new here at the podcast and you've just found out about it, you're looking for something new to listen to, scroll on down, down to the bottom of that list. There's some great sermons hiding down there. Some sermons from 2016 that was shared by Pastor McDonald, as well as some sermons from Brother Ronnie Baker, Brother Chad Everett, and Brother Ronnie Wheeler. The very first episode that I uploaded was a sermon by Pastor McDonald from November of 2021, Don't Miss Your Moment. And that's a great one. I know you'll enjoy listening to those sermons, and I know you'll enjoy today's sermon. Pastor MacDonald talks to us, but I'm going to hold on to that. Thank you for listening. First Thessalonians 5. If you're there, say amen. Second, First uh, Timothy also, First Timothy chapter six. All right, let's do it. First uh, Thessalonians five, verse twenty-one. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. I'm looking for two words. Hold fast hold fast 1st Timothy 6 verse 12 fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Lay hold on eternal life. So if the Lord would stand by me, I want to title this text, I'm going to hold on to that. This past week, we were gathering some items together to uh, bring up here for the fundraiser and Sister Kathy said we need to get back there to the bedroom and I have a chest of drawers there and she said we need to clean off some of that stuff well that right there is off limits okay <laughs> that's my stuff some of it has been with me a long time I mean when you go to 
sorting through uh, that box basket that's on top of the dresser there, and there's phone holsters that are 10 and 12 and 15 years old, it may be time to, to get rid of them. Amen. But uh, they're special, okay? <laughs> they're, they're leather, they're hand-stitched, and so I told Sister Kathy about a few items that she wanted me to consider. Well, it just hurts too bad to get rid of them, you know, so... I'm gonna hold on to that. We got up here and we were going through some items and Kathy remembered that there was a purse that was uh, with all the stuff that uh, she had brought up and she thought, well, I better go through that purse. Would you believe that woman found a case double X pocket knife in one of them purses? <laughs> and I forgave her for it. Everything's fine, we're gonna be all right. And it had been given to her years ago. <coughs> it's mine now, though. Uh, I, I said, I think we better keep that. You know, there are some things that I'm afraid if we're not careful, we discard. We might have been better off if we had held on to it. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I, uh, I read a story some time ago about a, a flight, small jet that was going from Portland, Maine to Boston. It was 1987, and the pilot heard an unfamiliar noise in the back of that small uh, commuter plane. And so he turned the controls over uh, to the co-pilot and walked back to the back of the plane. Just as he reached the back of the plane, the plane hit an air pocket and it bounced and it lurched forward. When it did, he fell and landed against the rear door. That's when he found out what the noise was. The rear hatch had not been properly latched. And when he hit against it, it opened. And out he went. Immediately, the co-pilot that was uh, at the controls realized from the light that came on in the dash, rear doors open. So he called to the nearest airport and said, I've got to make an emergency landing. He said the pilot has been thrown out of the plane and immediately they sent up helicopters looking for this man that they think has fallen out of this plane. Unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to uh, the pilot, who at that time was going uh, 200 miles an hour at 4,000 feet, as he begins to try to set that thing down, um, Mr. Harold Dempsey, the pilot that had been thrown out the rear hatch, had grabbed a hold of an outside ladder just as he went out the door. That pilot set that plane down and Harold Dempsey's head was within 12 inches of the tarmac when he put that plane down and landed not knowing that that pilot was holding on to that ladder. When it come to a stop, of course, everybody was shocked and amazed that a man going out of a hatch at 4,000 feet is able to reach a hold to that ladder and hold on to it and survive. They asked him they, about it, and he said, well, considering the alternative, I figured the best thing to do is hold on. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to preach about today. Considering the alternative, the best thing we can do is hold on. There's a lot of people losing their grip. 
There's a lot of people that are letting go. There's a lot of people that are disengaging. There are a lot of people that somehow are, somehow are withdrawing away from faith and family and their fundamental beliefs. But I'm of the mindset that if God will be my help and if God will be my keeper, I think I'll just hold on. <clears throat> I'm, got, I'm not going to turn loose. Uh, I've got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. Praise God. I hope you go with me. I'd like for us all to go together, but, uh, uh, you know, if I have to go by myself, I'm still going. Uh, I don't want to get uh, disenfranchised with church. I don't want to get disillusioned and listen to all of the people ranting and raving and trying to denigrate holiness and talk down the good people of God. I think I'm going to hold on. I think I'm just going to hold on a little longer. Go with me to... Uh, <coughs> 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And verse number 12. Uh, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast. The form of sound words which thou hast heard of me and faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. I want to talk to you about holding on to that. I want to talk to you about holding on to our commitment. I want to talk to you about holding on to our confidence. And I want to talk to you about holding on to our convictions. Let's look at it. Holding firm to our commitment. It seems like that commitment is a word of the past. It seems like commitment is something of bygone days. But we really need to learn commitment for the, st for the very sake of accountability. I think commitment is a good thing. I think commitment is something that safeguards us and keeps us. We need to be committed firmly to one another. We need to have a firm commitment to faith. We need to have a firm commitment to family. We need to have a firm commitment to one another. <clears throat> Look at these words that Paul writes there to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 12 through 14 that I read there. And he said, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And may I say that I am very confident and I am very assured about what I believe. Right. I mean, I, I believe our faith needs to be rock solid. I believe we need to dig down till we get on the bedrock of our belief and we can say, I know whom I have believed. Our belief system needs to be more than just, I know what I believe, but I know whom I have believed. It is a personal relationship. You see, it's very wonderful that we have doctrine. It's very wonderful that we have belief. It's very wonderful that we have creed. 
But the world does not want to hear our doctrine. They want to see our deeds. The world does not want to hear our creed. They observe our conduct. And the world is not so much concerned about our beliefs as they are our behavior. It's got to be a personal relationship. And so the truth that guides me, the truth that guides my life is verse number 13. Hold fast the form of sound words. Hold fast doctrine. Hold fast your belief system. And may I say what we need to do (coughs) is get another grip. And we need to make sure that we understand that no matter who changes or what changes, I know whom I have believed. My faith and my confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. People are going to change. People are going to let down. People are going to change their minds. But this book has not changed. (coughs) This book is still the same. Hold fast to sound words. That's why you need to know your Bible. That's why you need to read your Bible. And you need to pray while you read your Bible. And don't believe everything that you read on the internet or you hear over the airways. And if you feel a little check, if something don't just seem quite right, stay away from that. Let the Holy Ghost be your guide. He'll guide you into all truth. (coughs) The truth that will guide us And then verse 14, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us, the trust that is to be guarded by us. May I say that what has been invested and what has been entrusted and what has been bequeathed and what has been passed to me, I want to guard it carefully. I believe I'll hold on to that. Hold on to that. I don't believe that I'm going to let things go so quickly. I'm not going to turn things loose so easily. I'm going to hold to that. Holding firm to our commitment. Hebrews chapter (coughs) 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I want to talk to you about holding fast our confidence. Hebrews 3 verses 1 through 6. Wherefore, fully brethren, our holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, But he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm Unto the end. Hold fasting. Hold fast to our confidence. I don't want to lose confidence. I know. I know. 
I've been a bit discouraged sometimes. And that was only because I got my eyes on people. Yeah. It's got me in trouble. And it'll get you in trouble. And the reason that sometimes people get kind of an angst or, you know, and they get on a rant is because you got your eyes on people. You lost confidence in people. And how many times have you said in my hearing, well, that just caused me to lose confidence in them. Whether or not I have confidence in them or not doesn't change the fact of that I am a Christian and I'm going to live holy and I'm going to be faithful to God no matter what anybody else does. If you're looking for an excuse, I'll help you find one if that's what you want. If you want a reason to quit, you'll find one. If you want a reason to backslide, you'll find one. If you want a reason to compromise and get worldly and in some lame excuse to say, well, they're doing it. Well, we're not talking about what they're doing. We're not worried about what somebody else is doing. We've got to hold fast to our confidence and our confidence is in Christ. Notice the residence that he presides over. Notice the text there says in verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house. Christ owns the house. Praise God. He's the builder of the house. He's the maker of the house. He purchased the house. He's the reason that we're in the house. He's Lord over the house. Everything that's in the house is Him. And we're part of the house. Aren't you glad? Amen. That we've been sought by His mercy. We've been saved by His love. And He presides over the house. It's his house. He can do what he wants to with his house. <laughs> he can do as he pleases with his house. And so since it's his house, who are we to tell him what to do with his house? We are his house. We are his dwelling. He dwells in us. Verse number 14 of chapter Three of Hebrews ties in with verse 6. Now the last part of verse 6 of Hebrews 3 says, If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. In verse 14 of Hebrews 3, For we are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. May I ask you please, do you have the same confidence that you begin with? I would like to say that for me, my confidence is stronger now than when I began. <laughs> Amen. It's the same confidence that I had at the beginning, but as I near the end, my confidence has got stronger. Hallelujah. There's a book I've been reading. It's the memoirs and sermons of uh, William Stuart McDougall. McDougall was uh, quite a preacher, an old Scotchman. 
his last years, his eyes were dim. And, and so someone would have to read for him. And the story is said that uh, while he lay sick in bed once, a nurse was there reading. And they were reading there where Peter said, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. He stopped that person reading and said, Make sure of that. Make sure of that. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You didn't get it. I did not start to quit. I did not get saved to backslide. I did not get saved to quit somewhere along the way. But I want to hold fast my confidence. And I want to tell you, I believe I've got a stronger grip now than ever before. My mind is made up. When I first started this journey, I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with church. I fell in love with the people of God and the things of God. But as I have grown older and I have matured, I can honestly say I love Him more now than I ever did. I love Him more now than ever. Uh, amen. Now, here's where you've got to come to the preacher. You cannot have two loves. You cannot have other loves. For you see, if you love that world, then the love of the Father's not in you. But my heart is endeared to Him. My affection is upon Him. My, <coughs> my desire is upon the Lord. And I love Him more now than I ever did. And so that's my message. I'm going to hold on to that. Holding firm to our commitment. Holding fast to our confidence. I'm in the Revelation chapter number 2. Holding forth our convictions. Chapter 2. He writes to the church of Thyatira. In verse number 18. Revelation 2.18, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first, notwithstanding. I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest, that woman Jezebel, who calleth herself a prophetess, <coughs> to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast. Till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, 
even as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I'm looking for verse 25. But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. My message to us today, Landmark, is I'm going to hold on to that. Holding firm to our commitment. Holding fast our confidence. And holding forth our convictions. <clears throat> you know, this, this woman here is quite a notorious lady. And the spirit of Jezebel is much at work in the American church today. The Jezebel spirit is at work in the American church. Um, you, you don't see her demeanor. and You don't see her disposition in many of the churches that are under persecution. Uh, churches abroad and at large. Modesty and proper decorum is expected of women in those countries a lot of time anyway. But the haughtiness and the abruptness and the brashness by women in America today has bred over into the church. And women are forward and out of their place, mouthy, not under subjection. And the scripture says of Ahab, there was none like unto Ahab, read your Bible, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. I started pastoring churches in 1985. That's before a lot of you discovered planet Earth. And from that first church and through several churches, much of church trouble that I had to deal with was a woman that got out of her place and would run her flapping mouth to her husband and get trouble stirred up. And then before you know it, you got a men's meeting or a deacon board only because you got a loudmouthed woman that is out of place trying to run the house of God. And in case you want to know what she looks like, she's got her hair tired and she's got her face painted she is immodest she is seductive she is lewd that is a Jezebel spirit now if you want to find one of them in the holiness church you can find them sad to say they got dyed hair they got painted face they got spike heels and short dresses and you're not helping me while I preach but they want to put on a spirit of spirituality like they're the ones that know the need of the church. They're the ones that knows what the preacher needs to preach. They're the one that knows what the standard needs to be. And because of a compromising Jezebel spirit that is in the church, the standard is not what it needs to be. But I come to say landmark holiness is still right. And truth is still right. And Jezebel is not going to run the church.
And oftentimes Jezebel comes in the form of the preacher's wife or the preacher's daughter. And the very reason why certain sins are not dealt with, it's because the preacher don't have to want to have to deal with family. But it don't matter if it's my daughter. It don't matter if it's my wife. And it never has been with Sister Kathy. Never been a question. Never been a question with my daughter. Whatever I said, that's the way it was. And that's the way it ought to be. So we don't have to tweak the truth. We don't have to tone down the message. We don't have to abbreviate. And we don't have to try to change it. To suit people. It's holiness or hell. Your sleeves need to be long, sister. Your dress needs to be long. It needs to be longer than instead of shorter than. It needs to be so, sis, when you sit down, you're immediately modest. You haven't got to pull and pull and pull. You can't pull what ain't there. It needs to cover your body. It needs to cover you when you raise your arms. You're modest. It needs to cover you when you're praying. You need to be modest. But there's a Jezebel spirit that's at work in the church today. And it's not, it's not even and only just the the painted face and the dyed hair and, and all of those things that we're making excuses and allowances for. But it's just that, uh, that sense of arrogancy and that sense of forwardness that I see among women that somehow wants to uh, demean the men Now, as long as I pastor this church, there won't ever be a woman preach behind this pulpit. Ain't going to happen. No. Because if you put a woman behind this pulpit as a preacher, you're usurping authority over men. That's awful weak. A woman has her place, but it's not to get up and pastor. It's not to get up and preach. It's not. Because I've heard too many of them get up and begin to talk the husband down, use their husband as example about where they're falling short as being uh, the head of the house. But Christ is the head of the, house, of the church and the husband is the head of the home and that's good preaching. <laughs> and it don't take a woman to do that. God put the man as the head of the house. And God put his minister as the leader of the church. And God never intended for a woman to get up and tell the men of what they need to do. And the Jezebel spirit that is in the world today <coughs> finds itself working through the men of the church until you got a few women turning the heads and turning the handles. That's never what God intended. But holiness is still right and truth is still right. And so, here's what we have to do. Because the preacher can't get his own house in order, and because the preacher can't get his own family to line up, we got to change it.
Not going to change it here. Not going to change it here. Before you know it, if you don't do something about that spirit, you're going to have a bunch of women getting up telling men what to do, prophesying, laying hands on everybody, a whole bunch of jibber and jabber going on, and running the church by prophecy, and that was never intended. The church is to be run by, thus saith the word of God. And the Lord said, I got something to talk to you about. You suffered that woman Jezebel. You tolerated that. You let that go on. You winked at that. You didn't put a stop to it. And it brought seduction. And it brought deception. And it brought destruction. But God sent a watchman on the wall. And God sent a preacher to tell you, holiness is still right. You know, I, I, uh, I've observed and I've watched. And here's what happens. If you just let things go and don't say anything until, you know, for the sake of you don't want to offend, then everybody gets offended anymore. Everybody. And if they get offended, we spend all our time backpedaling trying to apologize because somebody got offended. And by then we done forgot the whole meaning of the message. You're not going to get no apology today. I meant what I said and I said what I meant. But if you don't say anything about that little bit of cosmetic and that little bit of colored hair and that one little ring, before you know it, you got another ring and another ring and you got a little bit more paint Kathy was commenting last night we sitting there at the house she, she commented about how the, her hair lightens up when she's out in the sun a, a lot and it does and she was commenting about her hair being so light. I'm glad it's that way. I look at these godly women that are here at this church. The glory that God has placed upon your head. And you wear it to honor God. And you wear it as a symbol of submission to your husband and unto the Lord. I appreciate you. Amen. Come on, husbands. I can wash my hair with a sponge. <laughs> you can't do that. No. It's a big job. But it honors the Lord. And the ladies of this church, you're a, you're a, a compliment to this church and I appreciate your standard and your modesty and you may say well you know that church over there <coughs> they got all kind of people look at that crowd well there's a big crowd at the ball game you don't gain you don't count success by numbers 
You don't count success by how big the crowd is. I want to know what's being preached. Is it that old time holiness message? You see, what you don't know is, when I started this in 1985, they cut my, the old saying is, they cut my water off. Amen, they cut my groceries off. They wouldn't pay their tithe. And they said, we'll starve him out. But you know what God did, Brother Billy Woodward? Somebody would knock on my door and bring me groceries. And somebody would knock on my door and put money in my hand. Amen, I've come through too much. Amen, I've climbed too many tall mountains. Amen, I've been through too many dark nights. God's already told me he would be my provider. And he told me I'd never want for a place to preach. So I'm going to hold a little longer. I believe I'm going to keep on preaching holiness. I believe I'm going to keep on standing for what's right. I believe I'm just going to hold on until God sends revival. I feel glory about to fall in the house. I feel glory about to fall in the house. Thank God for holiness and thank God for truth. Stand with me all over the house. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Thank you, Lord, for the witness of the Holy Ghost that has sanctioned your word here today. Your hands are bowed. There it is. Holding firm to our commitment. Holding fast our confidence. Holding forth our convictions. No matter who compromises. No matter who changes. I'm going to stay with holiness. How about you? Your heads are bowed. Brother McDonald. In this message today, God has made me aware of an area of dedication that I need to be renewed in my consecration. And I need to covenant with God. And I need to renew that vow of commitment confidence and conviction if the Lord has spoke to you in some manner I want you to raise your hand God bless you God bless you God bless you the Lord sees all those hands <coughs> landmark we got a good thing going but I'm going to tell you why it's because God honors holiness. And for us to be what God wants us to be, we're going to have to come to that level of commitment. Mark up to it. And be all that God wants us to be. If that's your desire, I want you to meet me in the altar. So let's come in and seek the Lord. Friends and family, you can take.